It's the Locked On Canes podcast where it's all about the you. My name is Fred Purdue. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by my co-host Cam Underwood on a on signing day eve part two. What's going on, Cam? Yo, what's going on, people? Uh, good here hanging out. Um, if y'all know me and have been following me for a while, even on this podcast or on State of the U, or uh, well, I've been there for seven years now, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, man, uh, it's uh, one of my favorite times. You know, I started uh, in this industry, if you want to call it that, as a recruiting blogger. So, uh, you know, doing all the stuff surrounding signing days has been a big event moment for me. So, yeah, getting ready for that, and that's happening tomorrow. And, you know, most of the work was already done in December for this class, which we're going to talk about. But, you know, I'm already ready, already for tomorrow. How about you, Fred? I'm ready. I'm really ready, man. I know it's... Wait, wait. You finna take this one off? Because I remember you was talking about, oh, you always took off signing day before. And I was like, oh, you're taking off in December. You're like, no, man. No, fam, I'm not taking off. But, and you oh. know you have to throw a but in there, okay. but, you know, as a high school teacher, I love the kids. I love the kids, so I have to be there, but at the same time, they did me a definite solid. It is early release day, and you know how those, how to, you know, as a former teacher. Turn that up, boy. Early release day, nothing real, for, for all of you folks out there who don't have any idea what goes on when it comes to being a teacher or, or running things in a classroom, Okay. The early release day don't not much happens. Okay, not much happens. You give them, you give your your kids are getting a worksheet, being told do this worksheet. It's like a substitute teacher being there. Look, this is here for a formality. Classes are cut in half. Everyone is leaving about two hours early, and you know, it's all good. We just taking yeah, care. I mean, we just making sure they good until for a couple hours, so you don't have to worry. Look, I mean. Y'all know I was a choir director, so it's hard to work on music with only a third of the class or a third of the the vocal ensemble there. So, like, you know, okay, maybe look at your, you know, your solfege syllables on your stuff. Maybe we're going to do a a little bit of here. Maybe give a couple little solo voice lessons, work on some stuff. Otherwise, you know, I use those times to talk about other kind of things, you know, like, oh, how to apply to college, because I worked at mainly uh, schools with first-generation college students. So, you know, what uh, what college applications are like, what essays are like, you know, what all those kind of things, you know, little stuff. And then, oh, it's 1130. The kids are going home. And then, you know, you hang out. You might have a meeting. I was department chair for a while, but I always said, look, by 1230, one o'clock, we go into the crib. Mm-hmm. And I Bingo. definitely hope that uh, that'll be the, the path that you take tomorrow. Bingo. Same here, man. I think this is going to be one of those days where we we just do a little bit of a test review. Know what I mean? Make, oh yeah. Make sure the test review so, is good. A couple sample questions. Let me stop telling all board. my secrets, man. Let me stop telling. You know what I mean? Secrets. Hey, why don't y'all just uh, work the math out and everything? Um, if you got any questions, you can come over here and everything. You meet with students one on one. Oh my God, that twenty-seven minute class is over. All right, I'm holla y'all. So you guys have fi- for all of my adults out there, and you wonder what's going on with your kids. It's not my classroom. I'm just giving you the information of what happens. So. Because of all of that, <laughs> because of all of that, we have I'll have my eye on college football, not just uh, our beloved Canes, but I, I love recruiting regardless uh, of the team because there's so many dynamics that go along with it. And great for, for my pleasure, we have the Miami Hurricanes here. So uh, we'll be talking a little, we'll be kind of going over this class a little bit kind of recapping for all of us that may have not been here when we went over when the early signing period happened where the bulk of this class was done we have a a player out there uh that maybe a certain chief of staff may be able to flip i'm not sure if that'll happen 
uh, because a certain family member of his is um, at that other school in Gainesville for whatever reason, whatever. Uh, and, you know, we'll kind of project what we think about these players uh, and their careers going forward. But before we get into that, we, gotta, we have to do the house cleaning. We got to make sure everything is nice and neat. So make sure you go follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Canes. Go follow Cam on Twitter at Underwood Sports. And go follow myself on Twitter at Fred Purdue CFB. That is P-E-R-D-U-E. And be sure that you like and subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Podomatic, Spotify. Like, subscribe, like, subscribe give us five stars because, you know, we're five-star people. All right. So we're going to go ahead and kind of recap this class we won't spend too much time on it that'll be something for a later show now that once signing day is kind of fully official we can kind of maybe break down these players who knows we'll kind of go with that but we'll go we'll kind of go down the list we have chance williams defensive end he was a four-star recruit uh we also have jalen knighton another four-star running back he's going to be a part of a really really good tandem of running backs that is going to be coming in the future we have don cheney jr uh, from Bell and Jesuit, another four-star running back. That is going to be slash and dash. You'll, you've heard it here first. Uh, I mean, these two just, we can kind of stop here. Those Bro, two. did you just snort after you said that? Like, I, you I don't know hype? what you're talking about. I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> hey, if you're listening, rewind that about 10 seconds. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we have those two running backs, and we have the, that's going to be a nice tandem of backs that I think is going to take us back to the days of maybe even a, I don't want to go as far as saying how that triplet of backs of having a McGahee, a Portis, um, and a Gore in the backfield, but it's going to be – I mean, Miami is known for having really, really good running backs. Yeah, and, you know, Chaney Jr. and Knighton are, are really, really good. Uh, they're both fast. They're both strong. You know, they have good balance. Knighton is faster, I believe, than Chaney, but Chaney is a do-everything kind of back. He's a little bit bigger, so inside, outside. Um you know, ability and everything. And yeah, that, I, this is right now. And I mean, I haven't looked since early signing day, but I mean, the best collection of running backs. If you have two running backs in a class or more, uh, I'm taking Miami's class currently over anybody. Now, you could have Zach Evans adding to the million five stars at Georgia or whatever like that, and that would probably flip it up. But as I'm breathing on this microphone now, I fully uh, believe that. And I mean, both of those guys are. They have the ability to score pretty much any time that they're in the game. You can see that from their high school film. You can see it from seven-on-seven camps. Anywhere that they hit the field over the course of time, they prove that. Jalen Knighton is one of two people ever in the history of Broward County high school football to rush for more than 5,000 yards. The other is the Broward County all-time leading rusher, Tyrone Moss from Pompano Ely, God rest his soul, a former Miami Hurricane. So that's the list. Tyrone Moss one, Jalen Knighton two end of list of anyone who's ever played high school football in Broward County in rushing yards. Yo, that's huge. Donald Cheney Jr. at Belen Jesuit did not have necessarily a great team around him, but the production was there. The skill set is 100% there. Uh, he went to the U.S. Army All-American Bowl and was showing out in all of those practices. Didn't necessarily get um, the touches in the game, and it's not necessarily built for running backs to explode in games like that. But, I mean, throughout the whole process, he proved himself to be a top-level talent. So, yeah, I mean, those running backs are, are really great. And you should be excited to have both of them wearing, you know, Miami Hurricanes orange and green and white. Don Chaney going into his junior year uh, at Bell and Jesuit, uh, my last year coaching, you know, I was – it was crazy. We, we actually had them on the schedule for the spring game. And somehow it got canceled. And I said, thank you. 
God. Because y'all got scared. <laughs> it might have been that. It might have been because I, I knew the second I saw, I was like, which one? Because, you know, there's plenty of schools in Florida that have the same name. And then it comes out that it's that Bell and Jesuit. And then it's that Don Chaney. And it's, well, uh, I'm like, in my head, I'm calculating, okay, are we going to get about 150 and three quarters if he plays that long? Well, I mean, no. And the thing about it is he was going to have to play that long because – I mean, and Belen Jesuit is a fine academic institution. I'm not disparaging any of the people there. I think they have great people and everything. You don't have another single player who's playing any kind of big-time football on that field, on that team, wearing, you know, those colors, that, that maize and blue with that University of Michigan. Yeah, helmet. it looks That's like a Detroit Michigan native. carbon copy. I mean, see, <laughs> exactly, it is. But, like, there's one guy who wore number one who's playing any kind of big-time football at all, and then you had a whole bunch of guys who were going to go pro other than sports. Like he was going to have to be out there. Yeah, it was. I mean, I've saw his. I saw his film. I've saw that team's film. Just kind of getting a chance to. I always, when I see a team on the schedule, I always like to kind of get a good idea of what they have on their roster. And that roster wasn't great, but he kind of made up for everybody. He was a one man wrecking crew. Uh, they, uh, to the point they were running like a wing T type of offense, and I'm like, man, he's getting he's getting off doing this. What would happen if he was in a real spread offense with a quarterback that actually can make teams back off, and some receivers that make people a little worried? So uh, he's going to be a really good one, and he has some he has decent speed. Uh, I don't know how that'll translate mm-hmm. to the college level, but typically if you're fast in high school, you're typically somewhat fast in. Uh, at the college level, especially if you're a Florida guy, those Florida guys, they love us down here. They really do like no, us. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, South Florida guys, they do have speed. He's not the fastest player in the world, Donald Chaney, but, I mean, he's fast enough. And if you're talking about, oh, well, I don't know about that, DJ Dallas I don't think was as fast as Don Chaney, and DJ Dallas got loose for 50, 60, 70 multiple times Definitely. in his career. Definitely. You know what I mean? So if you have that kind of speed or better, uh, which I believe Donald Chaney does, and then you have Jalen Knighton, who is a – I mean, he's a blur. He is much faster. Um, yeah, man. You know, I think that, you know, they can definitely both have roles here. Uh, you're not necessarily living in the era where you're going to just give one guy the ball 35, 40 times a game. So, hey, give Chaney, you know, 15, 17 touches. Give Knighton, you know, 12 to 17 touch t- touches, depending on, you know, how you want to use them. Um, you know, and then uh, mix in, obviously, the, the tight ends and wide receivers and, and quarterback and everything. So, yeah, I mean, these guys, in addition to what else is on the roster, you know, Cam Harris, Robert Burns, other guys at the position. But, I mean, yeah, for now and then moving into the future, like having both of those guys in this class, you're going to look back and be like, oh, yeah, no, that, that was really good. Definitely. Now let's talk about we, – we do have – I have love for the, the big people up front. Jalen Rivers, the big 6'6", 331-pound uh, offensive tackle – uh, that's going to be a much-needed shot in the arm, especially after a, a year where the offensive line was a little lackluster. I always like seeing the top guys come in and at least p- try to push um, push a current guy that may not be living up to the standard. So he may be able to do that, especially now you have a new offensive line coach, you have a new offensive coordinator who brings in a whole different scheme than what you saw before. So you may see a big shakeup possibly on the offensive line. It's kind of rare to see – uh, offensive linemen start as a freshman, but it's, there's some, there's something to be said about maybe in a rotation guy, uh, maybe late in the game or if an injury happens, anything can happen. Uh, you also have skill guys. You have Michael Redding, thir- the third uh, at wide receiver, 6'1", 195 pounds. We need help at wide receiver. We've lost some lost a couple bodies, and so of course you need some help uh, there. 
quarterback is the biggest piece of the puzzle, regardless of what class you're in. You need at least one of those every single year. Every recruiting rule number one. I, it doesn't matter if it's the if it's recruiting. It doesn't matter if you're drafting a team. You draft one. You recruit one. If if somebody works out, something's gonna be good. Now, granted, recruiting if they, if you have too many of those, it, it, somebody's transferring. But you know, I'd take I'd rather have a three or four of those guys. Somebody goes down. Somebody isn't getting pushed. Is getting pushed, and they can't handle the pressure, and they can't hand, stand, uh, live up to the standard. Oh, well, we'll go with the next guy. Who knows? That next guy may be Tyler Van Dyke uh, from from Connecticut. That's one of the – that was – I remember when he signed, I said, hmm, that's going to be interesting, a guy from up north uh, coming in, being able to play. Because you just have those questions about those guys with that level of competition. But when you watch his film, it's very clear that he's capable of playing in the, at the D1 level, especially at Miami. No, absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to work backwards on what you just said. Number one is you have to have a quarterback every year. I wrote a feature in 2018 on stateoftheu.com. It's still pinned to the website uh, on the front page. Scroll down a little bit. Call it the recruiting rules. And I've been talking about this for many years. Recruiting rule number one is you have to have a quarterback every year. And one of the quotes that I have or you know, from uh, what I created in there says, with a QB every year, you're automatically building a contingency plan for the future. So you are setting up your program moving forward. Now, yeah, you might have recruited over, you know, you had Peyton Matoka, who I don't necessarily think is ever going to see the field here. He's more of a program player. And you recruit over him with a Tyler Van Dyke, who I believe is a more talented physical player. But Tyler Van Dyke can run the spread offense. He can, he can do what Shane Bouchelle did at SMU. You know, he's that kind of athlete. He has a stronger arm than Bouchelle for sure. So, like, I mean, I don't necessarily think that he's a mismatch here. Uh, but, yeah, you always have to have one. And it just – because you never know. A guy might transfer. A guy might get injured. A guy like David Thompson from Westminster, uh, who should have really maybe not even been on scholarship here for football, decides to focus full-time on baseball. And then, okay, he's not in the room anymore because he went over and played baseball. Um you know, so you always have to have a quarterback every single year. Tyler Van Dyke is one of the better ones that you're going to have. More than 60% completions as a senior, over 2,000 yards, 19 touchdowns, five interceptions, and an undefeated New England prep school championship. What do you want? And they ran more of a spread system as a senior as opposed to the pro-style thing he did as a junior, and he still can flick the ball 65 yards all flat-footed. Like, this is a guy that you want to have. On top of that, you're going back to the offensive line. You're talking about um, Jalen Rivers. Big. Which, I mean, you need, but big big and athletically talented. He can move, and that's something that you need to have. Uh, he's lost a little bit of weight. I think he's down in the like high 320s as opposed to, you know, 330 or 340. Um, and much needed. Like that. Much I mean, needed. Much needed. You know, you can be you can be too big. Navon Donaldson pushing 370, you know, whatever, 380. Like, yeah, we need to get that down a little bit more. Uh, you know, even if, if Navon Donaldson was down in the 340s or 330s, that would be a big change for him. You know what I mean? But Jalen Rivers, he's a guy who can come in and maybe potentially push for some playing time somewhere. Obviously, Zion Nelson giving up, what, 11 or 15 sacks or whatever it was as a freshman last year at left tackle. That's not good enough. And you're talking about, oh, freshmen don't usually start. First of all, we have opportunities for people to start because our offensive line has not been great. And we had three freshmen last year, two true freshmen and a redshirt freshman, being Zion Nelson, Ja'Kai Clark, and John Campbell, either start or play major rotation snaps. So Zion Nelson started every game at left tackle. Ja'Kai Clark started every game but the first game at right guard, and John Campbell started the first game at right at uh, right guard. He was out of the rotation for a while, but then he played in like eight or ten games as the first guy off the bench. 
that sixth man on the offensive line. So three freshmen last year saw the field. It is not outside the realm of possibility that Jalen Rivers will do the same thing by, again, just like I was talking about a quarterback, you've recruited over guys who were already in the program who might have had, you know, stars by their name. Look, I'm looking at you, Kyleon Hurd, four-star guy who we beat Florida and others for, has not ever seen the field in a meaningful kind of situation. So I'm it, it rubber meet road time for you. If you don't show me anything, if all things are being equal and I can play, you know, a redshirt junior next year in Herbert or have a very similar performance from Jalen Rivers, but I have four years of that potentially, and he's a bigger physical person than is Kylie on Herbert. Kylie on Herbert, um, I hope that you are very good and adept at standing on the sideline holding your helmet because I'm going to put the young kid in there, all things being equal. So, yeah, you know, there is the, the potential for uh, early playing time at offensive line. We do have another offensive lineman, Chris Washington, who's 6'7", 265 as an offensive tackle prospect. He's a more long-range prospect. Uh, so he, I don't think, is going to push for playing time now because uh, he is a little, maybe a little light in the pants. So, you know, if you could kind of transfer some of those pounds from, like, you know, Jalen Rivers or uh, Navon Donaldson and give those to Chris Washington, get him up around 310 at that 6'7 frame, that would be wonderful. Uh, but he's a guy who might be, uh, you know, seeing the field down the line. Now, I look also at a guy like Akeisha in Washington, uh, Dominate Morelli. I also look at Daz Warsham, who, who was a late ad from Alabama. Anytime no, 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 no. He flipped earlier. Keyshawn Smith. Yes, you're San right. Diego you're right. You're is right. Is the one who is the latest ad. And if you don't know that name, be sure you go check stateoftheu.com. I will have a profile up for him on signing day tomorrow. He was signed to Washington State as one of Mike Leach's hand-picked wide receivers in this class. And then when Mike Leach left for Mississippi State, he got out of his uh, letter of intent at Washington State. And Keyshawn Smith, uh, apparently a lifelong Hurricanes fan. What? Okay. How does Signed. that? How do you make that happen all the way out in Cali? But I love it because the logo matters and the brand is strong. Exactly. Anyways, uh, had a connection with Stephen Field from Field's time in the recruiting departments in multiple places, including at Oregon, and they made that connect and got Keyshawn Smith enrolled the last day to add a class in Miami. He took an overnight red eye and was in class that next morning. Um, to be an early enrollee. So this is a guy who I know you, some people, you're hearing his name for the first time. He's enrolled in on campus and on this roster. And he's like a six foot one, 170 pound wide receiver. His dad is 6'5". His brothers are 6'5 and 6'6". Six, six. So there's potential that he could still grow physically. And I, when I watch him run, and we're not going to do this right now because, you know, time. But I urge you to go watch, especially you, Fred. You watch him run on the field. And it's like... It reminds me of Stacy Coley, Ooh. but with a little bit less upper body lean, but that same kind of gliding stride. You know what I mean? Yeah, Stacy like, Coley was just kind of he he had that that type of speed that his stride made you you start looking at him like he's not he's not super duper duper fast, but, but he's by you. But he runs but by he's you. By guys. He's by if he's even he's leaving and well right. if he was on you know, the field. If he was on the field. He, well I mean that's a whole nother thing. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. I know. I know, you know, <laughs> I know that. I know that I know that. I know that. I'm with you. But I'm saying like physically when you watch Keyshawn Smith run, it is a very similar gait to Stacy Coley. A little bit less upper body lean, but it's that same gliding. Okay, all right. There's a guy with an angle who, you know, is pretty fast. Oh, no, he's up the sideline, around the corner, and gone. So, 
that's a good ad, and that makes four wide receivers. Daz Worship, a record-setting wide receiver from Hewitt Trustville, Alabama. He uh, had a hip injury. Uh, he came off of surgery last offseason before his senior year. Uh, so his numbers went down a little bit, and his quarterback, Paul Tyson, um, grandson, 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 is now at Alabama as, you know, one of their quarterbacks. And, you know, the quarterback who was there with a senior, as a senior with Worsham is not as good. So his numbers did go down a little bit. Uh, but this is still a guy who is an elite, elite guy. You put him in a spread and in inside, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, at one of the slots or something, you know, give him a mismatch. I mean, he can play outside too. Yeah, Worsham, he's a good guy. Redding, we already talked about, 6'1", 195. And you say 195, okay, that's not too big. Go look up a picture of Michael Redding. He is rock solid. That dude is physically developed. He should be your, I mean, if everything goes right. He could be an X. I mean. I was going to say, he's going to be your X receiver. He could be, the, I'm gonna put he you could on be the your D side. Wiggins again, all over again. Easily. See, but D Wiggins, D Wiggins is good. D Wiggins isn't that dude. You know what I mean? Of course. Like, of course. It could be, I mean, I'm talking Andre Johnson. Ooh. That's, like don't don't that don't do that of, don't don't do that no yet. no I'm no 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 I'm saying when the usage that body okay, type okay. that positioning like he's more in that mold because he's bigger mm-hmm. D Wiggins is still kind of thin Slender. he's he's he's, th- he's big but he's kind of he's he's kind of got that that slender you, you, yeah dude, you look look at Michael Redding the third in a uniform and then you see what. You see shoulders and biceps and triceps coming out of that uniform. You say, whoa. I mean, it's not, you know, David Boston on steroids or anything. Right, But, right. like, you can tell for, like, an 18-year-old who, you know, is just coming out of high school. Yes, he went to IMG Academy, sure. But even before he transferred there, this is a dude who, like, yeah, physical development in that weight room has seen Michael Redding a few couple times. And then... You add in Xavier Restrepo, who was at Aquinas. He transferred to Deerfield Beach uh, so he could enroll early because Aquinas does not allow that because of their second semester religion requirement in high school. But this is a guy at 5'10 who played both ways in high school, will play slot receiver um, here at Miami, and is just damn good at it. I mean, he's he's always open in every camp setting and everything. Yes, he's maybe a little undersized, but he's faster than you think. Excuse me, and has really good hands. That's four really good additions at the wide receiver group in this class. And a Dominic Mamorelli, who's, you know, only a 6'4", 235 tight end who specialized in blocking. But when he got up the scene more as a senior, he even had a 71-yard touchdown against Miami Central, who I believe either won or competed for a state championship this year. Yo, this is a kid who can play. So now you're adding five guys at the receiver positions who are, you know, at least athletically talented with potential. Then you have the two best or the best two uh, running back class in any, you know, from anybody. You have a undefeated state champion quarterback who completed more than 60% of his passes and has a rocking arm. And then you got, you know, two guys, one guy who might see the field early and one who's maybe a little bit more of a developmental guy on offensive line. That's a really good offensive recruiting class for Miami. It really is. And those are all guys that are already enrolled and in the program. So they'll be well, not, not all of them. Not all. Most of them. Most of enrolled. them. Most of them. Um, and I know what people are going to say, and I'm going to cut you off at the pass. It's really good. It's not great. Because, yes, Miami could have used another offensive lineman or two. And I get it. Everybody needs it. Everybody says it. Anytime you'd say, oh, well, the wide receivers, the running backs are really good. They're saying, Cam, what about, look, I know. I hear you. That's why I said it's good and not great. 
We know that we need more offensive line help, but hopefully the updated scheme will help mitigate some of the things that this offensive line or the collection of players who's already here did not necessarily do well. Now, uh, before we we have a couple extra guys just to kind of highlight real really quick, Jalen Harrell, four-star safety, Elijah Roberts, uh, four-star uh, defensive end, Quentin Bro, Wood. they just took away his fourth star for no good reason. Mm. I'm so upset. No, this uh, is a kid who yeah. is 6'3", 275, who can play inside or outside. I mean, and he played for uh, Columbus. You know what I mean? Like, so he's playing 8A football. He's played against all the best teams down here. All The whole process, the whole process, this man is a four-star. All of a sudden, you want to go take it back. Like, this, again, is emblematic of the anti-Miami bias that you will see in recruiting. And it's it tries – people try to be subtle about it, and they like to do small moves here and small moves there. But when you do something like that for Elijah Roberts, it doesn't make any god darn sense. And it really makes me very angry because this is a four-star kid and, like, I'm going to keep calling him a four-star kid in everything that I write from here on out. And people can say, oh, well, you can kiss me. My grits where the sun don't shine if you've got something to say about it. At Underwood Sports on Twitter, give me the smoke. Lots of smoke. Lots of smoke. Uh, Also, we also have to highlight uh, defensive end Quentin Williams, three-star. Marcus Clark, cornerback, uh, 5'11", 175. I'm still – I, I have a thing for bigger corners. Uh, I know that's not a thing at Miami, so it's not. Well, I mean, we'll see. And this is a guy who played main mainly wide receiver, but mm-hmm. we evaluated him with the skill set and movement ability to be, you know, at defensive back a little bit more. And he has good length in his arms at 5'11", so, I mean, it's not like he's, you know, to Corey Couch or Trajan Bandy at a 5'8"-ish, 5'9", maybe with your, like, mini blowout afro. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this is a guy who's, you know, approaching six feet tall, has decently long arms. Like, I mean, yeah, you could do worse. Plus the fact, plus the fact, you know, I don't know if we want to talk about it now, but Isaiah Dunson from Georgia, um, he is the latest commitment. He's a 6'2 cornerback who was committed, uh, I believe, to Florida State before or Texas, one of the two. But he's, yeah, from Tucker, Georgia, 6'2", 180, you know, four-star that we just got to commit who's supposed to be signing tomorrow. So, I mean, that's one of the few guys who's, like, not already signed who's going to sign because he just committed here recently. Uh, so, I mean, this would be the second year in a row that Mike Rump finds a 6'2", four-star mm-hmm. corner from SEC country late in the process. And I said it before, that is a very good ad, and I appreciate the fact that he, you know, has found Dunson and able to lock him down just like with Christian Williams last year. But I'm in the same – of the same mindset as you where I would like the Williamses and the Dunsons, you know, and the guys who didn't go here, your Josh Jobs, your um, Patrick Sertans, your um, – Go ahead and Tyreek say it. Go ahead and say it, Patrick Peterson. Go ahead. Your Patrick Peterson, yeah. I mean, who was committed here before when he was Patrick Johnson and Pompano Ely before. I would like those guys to be coming to Miami as the standard. And then your Marcus Clarks or your Trajan Bandies to Corey Couches to be the, you know, intermittent rand not random, but the the add on because that guy is special. And so I'm gonna take one of those as opposed to the six two cornerbacks being the Exception, be like, oh, we have a whole bunch of small dudes, and something happened with this four star who's going elsewhere, and then we slide in late with this open box special. Hey, look, that 75 inch TV is still a 75 inch TV on my wall, whether I paid full price or whether I got it as an open box. But I'm saying I would rather that be the standard, not the, oh, hey, it just happened to work out that way. Because there's going to come a time when these, you know, late get situations don't happen anymore and then you're only left with the 5'11s, 5'8s, 5'9s at cornerback and that's when you have a problem. 
Now, let's kind of push it a little forward before we get out of here. Um, let's. How did? What do we see? I know we have, um, like you said, Isaiah I, um, Isaiah Dunson, the corner. Uh, but is there anybody else that may be a late? Add another late add. I know we don't have that many spots left, especially with the the transfers. I, of course, we got to talk about the transfers really quick. Quincy Roche, uh, defensive end, AAC uh, player, defensive player of the year from Temple, coming over to nineteen and a half tackles for loss, thirteen <sighs> sacks last Ooh-wee. year alone. Ooh-wee. Like, Ooh-wee. I mean, the top two returning sackers in college ball are both Miami Hurricanes. Number one is Gregory Russo with his 15 and a half sacks, and number two is Quincy Roche with his 13 sacks returning from 2019. Uh, yeah, that'll Who's going to be fired up to play their former team next next year? Quincy Roche. Yeah, that guy. Guess who's going to be like, yeah, I'm about to go. I'm re- I know what that offensive line looks like. Who else is going to be fired up to play against Temple, who they played in the AAC? Oh, De'Aaron King. De'Aaron King, King, the uh, transfer from Houston. Yeah, the, and the, the superstar else? quarterback, yeah. And who else? Oh, and we also have... Uh, Hose, off, Hose, think, think off the field. Off the field. Think oh. on the field but not playing. Oh, Manny Diaz, because technically... No, no, the other one. One more. One more. Oh, um, Rhett Lashley. Thank you. Yeah, because Rhett Lashley. I had, a, I had a brain fart right there. I was like... Who? Okay. And I was like, I was, I was waiting for you to get yeah, there. Yeah, Red Derek King played him. Yeah. Got did numbers. Uh, Red Lashley's offense against Temple did numbers. Numbers. Go look at that game from last year. Whoa, my God! I mean, so you have those guys coming in. So you have a guy who you know had twelve touchdowns in four games uh, before sitting out the rest of last year. The year before, uh, that's Derek King in 2018 is one of six players ever in the history of college football to have. 50 touchdowns or account for 50 touchdowns in a single season. Yeah, that'll work. We already talked about Quincy Roche. Then you have Jose Borregales, who's a very good kicker, and his younger brother, Andres Borregales, at my uh, Shamanah Madonna. He's committed in the 2021 class. This is a kid who's 17 years old and routinely, in games, has hit from 55 and 60. Uh, that'll work. So you're adding those guys. You have mm-hmm. Brett Lashley also. I mean, yeah, like the transfers matter for this as well. And as Fred was saying, they matter in terms of numbers because you get 25 initial counters you get 25 additions to the roster every year now there are some games that you can play with that of counting guys back uh for early enrollees to count them to the previous year and like but i think the miami is in such a situation where it's like nope you got 25 coming in now you have 20 signed you have uh three transfers and then you know you're gonna get isaiah dunson and Maybe Willie Moise, who's been committed to Miami, but he has academic issues. He's actually left uh, Madonna. He's enrolled at Orlando Edgewater. I don't know how you go from Hollywood to Orlando, but hey, whatever. I'm not going to question it. But he's up there trying to get his grades right. But if we sign him tomorrow and he doesn't qualify, we don't get that scholarship slot back to get somebody else down the line. So that's a huge risk. And then there's another guy. I don't know if you want me to mention him now, but yeah, we can, we, we can talk. I have a sneaky suspension. You're talking about one Avante Williams. Avante Williams from uh, uh, Deland. There we go. Uh, right outside of Gainesville, or sorry, outside of Orlando, on the way up to Gainesville uh, is where Deland is. Four-star safety. He's like the top-ranked player in the state of Florida, who's currently unsigned. Um, it's down to Miami and Florida. Those are the two teams uh, that are battling currently. Um, his cousin is Lorenzo Lingard, and when Lorenzo Lingard committed to Miami years ago, they got on Twitter and they were hinting at it. Lingard committed, 
uh, as a high school junior, and Avante Williams committed as a high school freshman, rising sophomore, I want to say. Um, so, yeah, because they're, they're two years apart. Yeah, so Lingard was a sophomore going into his junior year. Um, or junior going to senior? Junior going into his senior year of high school, sorry, and, and Williams was a freshman going into his sophomore year, and they committed on the same day. Um, obviously, Lingard was here. He It didn't necessarily go well for him. Uh, started to get a role for himself in 2018. Um, had a practice player who tried to make a name for himself in practice and uh, broke his uh, broke Lingard's leg, making you know just a you know uh, a random happenstance in practice. You know wasn't 100 percent healthy this year. Took a red shirt and now he's transferred Lingard that is to Florida. So you know you talk about family connections. You have that. Avante Williams also has two children. It's in a local area, but people are saying you know if he Avante Williams values connections more than anything. Manny Diaz. And uh, Ephraim Banda have been at Miami for the entire run of his recruitment from when he was, you know, uh, a freshman in high school all the way to now. And that connection that, you know, has to be strong over the course of time. Uh, Williams was committed to Oregon. Nobody really thought he was going to go out there, and that's not going to happen. I fully expect Avante Williams to pick Florida. I just think that uh, his cousin being there is closer to uh, DeLand. Obviously, like I said, he has two children. I think that that's going to be the fit. Um, and the choice for him, um, I don't necessarily, and especially it's hard to project Avante Williams having seen how Lorenzo Lingard's time went in Miami and say, okay, I know that was my cousin and we're different people, but I'm going to sign up to go to Miami to a place where my cousin's experience was not necessarily great, uh, whether that was through any making of his own or not. Um, I just don't necessarily see it. Um, you know, it's kind of like my seven and five prediction for next season. I openly invite uh, him to prove me wrong and pick Miami because that would add another very talented defender to our, our recruiting class and the secondary of this team. But we'll see. Definitely will. Definitely will. Uh, with this, and we'll kind of put a bow on this show today. Uh, where projecting forward, give me one player on offense and one player on defense. Projecting forward, where do you see them? If we, you know how you're normally asked, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you yeah. see one player that you really like on offense and one player on defense in three years? Oh, man. Just one? Just one. Ooh. Man, you love these just one questions. Ugh. Um, on offense, on offense, I'm going to go Don Chaney Jr. just because I've been on that train. Um, I think that he, even as being – uh, the number 11 running back nationally in this class and 114th ranked player overall on the 247 composite. I think that he's underrated. I think that he's underranked. I think that he's better than that. And I think that he's going to just continue to be that guy on the field. And there's just sometimes when, you know, there have been guys who have always been the best player on the field. And I think that's Don Chaney Jr. He's going to continue to prove that at this level. Um, in terms of the defensive side of the ball, Pickings are a little bit slimmer just because there are more highly rated guys on the offensive side of the ball uh, in this class. On defense, I will have to say, mm, I'm going to go on a limb here and I'm going to say Elijah Roberts. Um, He's just a Miami guy. He wants to be at Miami. You know, he committed here. I want to, or he took his time to do that. Six three, two seventy five, two in that range. Coming in, he could be a big defensive end. He could grow into that athletic defensive tackle in the mold of R.J. McIntosh, but maybe you know a couple inches shorter. Um, 
I just think that a guy like him, given the time to develop his body and his game, I think Elijah Roberts, when we come, uh, you know, a couple years down the line when this class of 2020, when there are redshirt sophomores and juniors in that range, I think that he's going to be a guy who's at the forefront on the defensive side of the ball. And for me, I, I really, I, I'm kind of along the lines with you, with Don Chaney. I think you, I mean, when, when you have two good running backs, it's always kind of tough to tell, uh, especially right. Jalen Knighton's good in his own right. You don't know who's going to get the carries. And as good as, I mean, great, a decent offensive line will always be good if you can run the football. So uh, it's really tough to pick, but I've got to go with Don Chaney because I think he can do a little bit of what both guys can do. And usually when you have that, that, that versatility, that's the one word I love where regardless, when I'm looking at a player, how versatile can you be? Can you help us in various ways? Can How long can you stay on the field? He's not coming off the field because of size. I think Jalen Knighton will come off the field because of size on a goal line. Right. He's not good. Right. Don Chaney's not coming off the field. And I think that's going to be the difference in three years. If all things work out, even if you're giving giving me eight and four seasons, I hope we don't have eight and four seasons for the next three years. But let's just say at a base level, you give me eight and four seasons. He's giving me 800 to 1,000 yards a season uh, for three years. That's a successful career at the D1 level, and I think that's something he could easily attain, especially now with the way Miami's going to be running a spread type of offense Hopefully. where – Hopefully, hopefully, I, I'm projecting, and that's that's what we're doing here. We're projecting a little bit, so yeah. and I kind of I was I think you're in my playbook because I was gonna say the same thing about uh, one Elijah Roberts because you again versatility. You could be that big edge setter, or you can be that that I won't say tall because he's not as tall, but uh, being that that it, that tweener defensive end defensive tackle guy who can play inside outside. Um, come, he can play on the inside uh, on third down if we decide to put more uh, some lighter bodies out there. That could be something that could be very interesting to see, being able to push the pocket on the inside if he can maintain the strength and the speed without uh, and still grow into he can and he's gonna grow into that body. I just hope he doesn't balloon to like something like two ninety because he could easily do that. I mean those guys. I mean look. He's a cheeseburger away from 280 right now. <laughs> I know. That's why and, I say and like, that. Look, and this is what I said about um, Trayvon Riggins, who's a former commit who peaked as a high school sophomore, and then obviously Miami decided to go a different way. But I saw him at the opening regional a couple of years ago as a rising high school junior, so a current high school sophomore at the time. And I checked the sign-in sheet when they did their height and weight. This kid was 278 pounds and trying to – claimed at 6-1, like, oh, I'm a defensive end. And literally, the coaches at the opening said, boy, if you don't go over there with the D tackles. Because if you're 278 pounds as a high school sophomore before you've even gotten into a weightlifting, strength and development, you know, program, Mm -hmm. bro. So you're literally, literally at that time, a big order at checkers away from 280. And you're trying to say you're a defensive end? Nah, fam. No, 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 no. No, go where your body's trying to take you. Go get that 285, 290. You, I mean, it's 10, 15 pounds from there. I think the same thing with, you know, Elijah Roberts. Even uh, he, okay, I just looked up on 247. He's listed at 267. So he's a cheeseburger away from 270. So you're saying at, you know, 15 pounds is 285 over the course of how long? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think that that's crazy. Uh, I think I would prefer to see him inside as opposed to outside because with 
you know, all of the guys we have at end. We got Chance Williams, Quentin Williams, uh, Cam Williams. Um, all, you know, we have so many guys uh, coming in either young on the team or coming in this class as edge rushers. I think that Roberts would fit more. Uh, it would have – he'd just get pushed a down bit. a peg regardless just right. based just on the depth chart. A little bit. You don't have to do Anthony Ciccolo and take him from 255 to 295, like, you know, which was – and misuse him, that Al Golden and Mark Nafrio did to, you know, Ciccolo when he was here as a former five-star recruit. You don't got to do that. But a guy who's already 270, 290, 295, that's not crazy for him. Not at all. Definitely not at all. Um, let us know what you guys think on Twitter. Um, you can hit us up at Locked On Canes. You can also hit Cam up. Give him all the smoke at Underwood Sports. Uh, what do you guys think? Who is your Who is your guy that could in three years be the one player that may have some success? And I'll even flip it the other way. Who might be the bust of this class? Because there's always one player, and I hope there's no players that are busts. I never wish of anything like that on any player, but inevitably it's going to happen some whether it's because of performance whether it's because of lack of effort attitude grades something will happen i mean it's right. just the nature of recruiting who is that guy for you on both sides of the ball uh we'll be, this this has been a bit of a small preview for national signing day make sure you go follow cam he's going to be the one that's going to be all over this thing on tomorrow even though it's going to be kind of quiet which is it's kind of weird for me because I'm so used to the old days where we didn't have a, a, a have two national Early signing one. days. So right. it, it's kind of weird. I always got up for it. I don't get up for the second one as much anymore. Uh, but I know there's going to be. There's not as much to get up for. Yeah, there's not. you're talking about. There's not. You know, most everybody signed. You're, there's the, you're yeah. getting or, you know, an official announcement from Miami about Keyshawn Smith, um, who's already enrolled. So they could have done that already. But they're you know obviously waiting. You're going to get. You know, Elijah Roberts is going to have a signing ceremony because, you know, he didn't graduate early. I don't think you're able to from uh, Columbus. You know, you might get Willie Moise if you take his commitment because, again, you, that's such a you risk. Take it, that's... Again, if you take it and he doesn't qualify, you don't get that spot back. And then, I mean, Avante Williams at 245, but again, everybody and their mama, I believe, if you have a brain, you should think that he's going to Florida. It might be a nice surprise if he does not, but I mean, I cannot realistically sit here and say, oh, yeah, no, I fully expect Devontae Williams to come here. And I previously, you know, spoke about why. Now, and before we get out of here, because I would be remiss if I would if I was to forget this. Miami had not one, but two Hall of Famers named over uh, over the weekend after a Chiefs Super Bowl win. So congratulations to those guys, too. Uh, but uh, two Miami Hurricanes, uh, former Miami Hurricanes, one Jimmy Johnson, national champion. I have to put that on his name. Give him I that mean, respect. Yeah, respect on it. Put some definite respect on his name and and Super Bowl champion, NFL Super Bowl champion with the that team in Dallas. I'm sorry, I'm not giving. I hate I hate those guys. Um, anyway, uh, but also one. Uh, uh, Edgar, How about them Cowboys? Oh, why? Why? I got a sense. It's that. an. You like, know, I'm believing that, if right? If you think about Jimmy Johnson, they think about that. I mean, that was an iconic. Yeah, moment. I know. How about them? How, I, I mean, know. it was the first time that they'd won it forever. Come I, on, man. I know. And then you know, you also have um, Edron James running back. Uh, he kind of he kind of set the precedent for the next group of guys who were really good, and probably another guy that's gonna get in. And you know, it, 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 this we're gonna have a nice run of Hall of Famers from the good old days. I mean, personally, and I'm not trying to make this any longer, but 
just just putting it out there. Reggie Wayne's going. He's getting in. Vince Wilfork, if he doesn't get in, I, the the Hall of Fame should be burned down. Burn it down if Vince Wilfork yeah. does not get in. Andre Johnson's getting in if he doesn't burn it down. I know there's a log jam at wide receiver, so cool. Uh, at some point, maybe Greg Olson may get in. Who knows? I mean, he has numbers. He sh- he he may get good consideration. I mean, he has to retire at some point. Um, right. But yeah, those are just some names. Maybe one Jimmy Graham may get in based off of numbers, but it would take a long time for that to happen. Uh, Frank Gore will get in just simply because he's the number three all overall all-time leading rusher. Um, a lot of it is because of longevity in the league, but that's also something to say about his durability. Because if I mean, at the time he got drafted, no one thought he'd last five years. So, right. but again, we have talent on talent on talent, and I'll I'll trade. I'll, I'll be rem- I'll be willing to put my Hall of Fame group, my upcoming group, up against any school in the country. What's up? At me on Twitter at Fred Produce CFB. I'll leave it at that. Well, man, Fred wants the smoke. Yeah, I want all the smoke. I want all the smoke. I love it. Even from Alabama fans. What's up? Um, but yeah, Alabama people don't do nothing in the NFL, bro. Hey, hey, just saying. They got I one. Said it. They got one. And I, they who? got Julio Jones is going to the Hall of Fame. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Oh, Quintoris. Yeah, yeah Quintoris. Quintoris. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, he, he's yeah, going, yeah. He's going to the Hall of Fame. But in nonetheless, yeah. let us know what you think about the Hall of Famers. Who else do you think may be also in the Hall of Fame? Uh, who could possibly go to the Hall of Fame? Maybe current players right now that are not older, that are getting getting their their start in the league. Who do you think? So let us know on Twitter, at Locked on Canes. We'll be back with you on Thursday to kind of talk about the fallout from all of this thing. It's a quiet fallout, but nonetheless fallout. Again, congratulations to Coach Johnson and also congratulations to one Edrin James. We'll see you guys uh, in August so you guys can have have that speech. I can't wait. Um, Until Thursday, guys, I'm Fred. That's Cam. This is the Locked on Canes podcast, and we are out.